You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. <laughs> What's going on? How we doing? Welcome back. Episode 14 of the Wide Right Podcast. So great to have you in on a Tuesday afternoon uh, around 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, December 17th. Not snowing this time. I know last time I sort of complained about the snow uh, and how it doesn't how it doesn't really benefit me much anymore. And that's not really snowing right now. It's this. Well, the snow is melted. It's what they call a wintry mix, I guess. There's ice on the ground. There's ice on the road. Um, I mean, that's, ice still isn't great, but it's not as bad as snow. It doesn't exactly cover my car like snow does. So that's good. Um, not that I was really going to leave the house anyway. Um, but th- thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. I'm your host, Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and Elite Sports Radio Network. Uh, going to be talking about the, so the Giants finally won a game. Defeated the Dolphins 36-20 this past Sunday afternoon. First win in about two and a half months. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. Talking about Eli Manning's sort of farewell at the end of that game, a standing ovation. Uh, then get into the Janoris Jenkins, Janoris Jenkins news. Obviously, Jenkins was waived by the Giants this past Friday after he sent a very inappropriate tweet with a very offensive and derogatory term. Um... And then he was recently claimed by the New Orleans Saints, so we'll get into that. And then finally, we'll be previewing the upcoming Week 16 game against the Redskins. That game will be played on the road in Landover, Maryland. So I wanted to start. So Giants won 36-20. Yeah, first win since September 29th when they beat the Redskins in week, on Week 4, 24-3. Snapped a nine-game losing streak, which is a franchise record. I mean, obviously, they did not want to defeat this franchise record. Uh, that's probably one of the only franchise records you don't want to beat is a losing streak. So, great. They could finally snap that with Eli Manning under center. Speaking of him, uh, 20 for 28, 283 yards, two touchdowns. The scores were to Golden Tate on the bobbled pass in the first half. And then Darius Slayton on the first drive of the second half. Eli and Darius Slayton have something going. I mean, obviously, it's not going to last because Eli is most definitely Eli's last year in New York, if not in the NFL. So it kind of sucks that they've started. So Darius Slayton has now caught three touchdown passes from Eli in the last two games. Uh, now that that connection is sort of building, it's going to be coming to an end very soon, if not already did. So that kind of sucks. But yeah, two touchdowns Eli threw. He also threw three picks. Um, not bad picks, too. Some of them, a couple of them are bad picks. Um, but it's fine. Still got the win. Uh, Saquon Barkley, uh, Saquon Barkley, 24 carries, 112 yards, finally got over the century mark in rushing for a game. First time since a week two loss to Buffalo, he's rushed for 100 yards or more. 
uh, and he crossed the goal line two times. So it's his first rushing touchdown since a week seven loss, the week seven loss to Arizona. So seems Barkley's back, back, um, back from the ankle injury. I mean, obviously he's been back from the ankle injury for a while now, but he didn't. He never seemed full speed. It never seemed fully healthy. So now he seems back to his old self. Finally getting over that century mark for the first time in 13 weeks. So, And then Sterling Shepard uh, had arguably, arguably one of his best games of the year. Nine receptions, 11 targets uh, for 111 yards. So a couple talking points about this game. It seemed there was a sense of urgency from this defense to start. But this defense still did not have the most dominant performance. They had a very hard time tackling in the first half, which led to, I mean, the Dolphins were leading 10-7 to 7 at halftime. And the poor tackling contributed to that. Alec Ogledry missed a couple tackles. Corey Ballantine, there was a bad angle by David Mayo in, on a second quarter play. Julian Love missed a tackle in the second quarter as well. That can't happen. The, uh, better angles need to be taken, and these tackles need to be executed. I mean, this team could not tackle at all in the first half, and it showed. That's why. That's part of the reason why they were losing in the first half. This group still allowed 122 rushing yards, still allowed 262 passing yards, and the touchdown passes they allowed. First, the first one in the first half, both were to, were to um, Devontae Parker. Corey Ballantine was, I mean, that was a terrible coverage. That, he showed terrible coverage on Devontae Parker in the first half. And the, and the touchdown, at least. He bit he bit up on the play. He took a bad angle on Devontae Parker. And Parker beat him deep. That's simply what it was. Corey Ballantine took a bad angle, bit too hard on the coverage. Devontae Parker had one step on him, beat him deep. And a seam route in the end zone. No over-the-top safety help from Antoine Buffet either. And it's a bad play. And I like Corey Ballantine. I think he makes some mistakes, but I like Corey Ballantine for the most part. I think he's going to be a good defensive back. But that play, specifically, that needed to be better. And then on the other touchdown pass they allowed in the fourth quarter, it's good coverage by, De- by DeAndre Baker, but horrible job on finding the ball. Devontae Parker was able to snatch it out of the air. Baker could barely make a play on it. It just goes to show how much this kid, DeAndre Baker, still needs to learn and still needs to improve. There's a lot of things he needs to improve on. It's not just coverage, but also finding the ball, locating it, making a play on it. That needs to improve as well. But what's funny about this game is that it was technically a second-half comeback, right? I mean, they were down 10-7 to going into the second half. But... Just like all of Eli's career, the Giants are a second-half team. They were down 10-7 to at halftime and then outscored the Dolphins 29-10 to in the second half to win the game by 16. I feel like this team could barely score 30 points. They scored nearly 30 points in the second half with Eli. Eli's a second-half quarterback. He's always been that way. Always. I mean, besides the one pick he threw in the second half, he was great in the second half. I mean, that first drive in the third quarter... Started out great slant route to Cody Latimer. Set up a touchdown to Darius Slayton later on in the drive. On the touchdown, Manning executed a great play-action play. Hit Slayton, who ran a great move to get open in the back of the end zone. It was a great offensive scoring drive, and that contributed greatly to the win. That momentum to start the second half is what propelled this team to dominate the Dolphins in the second half. 
and scored nearly 30 points in just two quarters. I mean, there's like, I, I knew it coming out of the first half. I'm like, this team's going to turn on the Jets. It's Eli. Eli's a second-half quarterback. When Eli's at the helm, this team is a second-half team. It was like it was. It was like the whole game was like telegraphed, basically. At least the second half was like telegraphed. We knew what was going to happen. We knew the Giants and Eli were going to turn on the Jets in the second half. That's what happens. That's what I mean. It hasn't really happened much in the last couple of years. Obviously, Eli's record as a starter wasn't great in the last couple of years, but for the most part in his career, they've been a second half team or a fourth quarter team for the most part. Another thing I want to—I I thought Julian Love. I know I said I called Julian Love out a couple minutes ago for missing a tackle. I think he played great in this game. He stopped the fourth down attempt from the Dolphins in the first half. Had a great play on Fitzpatrick in the second half when he pass rushed him, forced an errant throw that went incomplete. This coaching staff should have played Julian Love a lot more and a lot earlier than they have. Before, I mean, he didn't play really at all on the defensive side of the ball until. Jabril Peppers got hurt. But they should have played Julian Love. I'm not saying in Peppers' spot, but they should have worked Julian Love into the rotation a lot earlier than they did. Because he's proving to be a he's proving to be a weapon that they could definitely need, that they, they could definitely use on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he's played great. I think he's made plays. I think he's aggressive. Uh, I think he's smart. I think he knows the plays. I... You know, you can't really ask for much else from a rookie. And he's done his part. He's impressed. And it's only been a couple of games. This coaching staff should have played him a lot earlier this year than they did. The thing that Barkley, the thing that impressed me about Saquon this game, I mean, I just said he got his first 100-yard, first time surpassing the century mark since week two. He didn't need any of the explosive runs that he showed a lot of in his rookie season. The shorter, more efficient runs, that is what wore this Dolphins defense down. They don't need they didn't need explosive plays from him. Just short runs, not short, but you know, five, six yard runs down the field, extend drives, and wear this Dolphins defense out. And it worked. 112 yards, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Can't ask for much more than that from your star running back. And on the second touchdown, the one in the fourth quarter, Nick Gates played great in this game. He replaced the injured Kevin Zeitler at right guard. Zeitler has ankle injury, wrist injuries. Nick Gates had a great block. He pulled to the left side, had a great block, which spurred Saquon Barkley to have an open hole on the left side. For a second touchdown of the game. I thought Nick Gates played great. That's another person. That's another guy I think they should have played more of early on in the year. I mean, this offensive line hasn't been great. Why not make a couple switches? Put Gates wherever you can. I mean, he played great in this game. There's a couple guys that the Giants haven't really played much of this year that could have gotten the job done if they were actually on the field. Julian Love and Nick Gates are two of those guys. But because of that, I thought the offensive line did actually play better with Manning in this game. I mean, they haven't been playing great all year, and I thought they played better than usual. Helped Manning have enough time to find receivers that they couldn't get open right away. Only allowed one sack. 
Um, of course, it was Nate Solder screwed up that play. Um, so, but I thought the offensive line played a lot better than they've had. And Oshane Zimenez had half a sack, now has two and a half sacks in the last two weeks. So Oshane Zimenez is another rookie that the Giants could have played more all year. And he's impressed the last couple of weeks. He really has. I know Gettleman gets a lot of heat. And Gettleman gets a lot of criticism. But Oshane Zimenez was a good pick. So was Julian Love. So was Darius Slayton. I just think this coaching staff should have played Zimenez and Love a lot more than they've had. And then finally, at the end of the game, so there was a sentimental moment for the beloved Eli Manning. Because it could have, been, could have very well been his last home start. We don't know what Daniel Jones is. We don't know if Daniel Jones is coming back from his ankle injury or if he is. We don't know. Could have very well been his final start at MetLife Stadium. And if Jones does come back and he plays out the last two games, it could be the last we've ever, ever seen of Manning in a Giants uniform. Or of Manning in any uniform, for that matter. We don't know if he'll play at all in the last two games. Some don't even want him to. Some want that moment at the end of the Dolphins game where he came off that field, was replaced by Alex Tanney, standing ovation. Giants ended up calling a timeout two plays later, so the sentimental moment could progress and last a little bit longer. Saw him tearing up on the sideline, getting emotional. I'm sure tons of fans and tons of teammates got emotional. It was a great moment. Some want that to be the end. Some said, some have, some are saying that was the perfect ending. That was the perfect moment. After he was interviewed after the game, he ran off into the tunnel, ran off into the tunnel, saw his daughters, and everyone, you know, everyone, all the fans over the tunnel, cheering his name, clapping. Everyone thinks that was the perfect moment, and it was. It totally was a perfect moment. People want that to be the end. People don't want. People don't think he should play at all in the last two games. People think that should be it. That was a perfect ending, and that should be how it ends for Eli Manning. So if that is the end of Eli Manning, if that's the last we've seen of him, what a ride it's been. 16 seasons, 117, 117 overall record. Four-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl MVP, obviously both over the New England Patriots. Seventh all-time in passing yards, seventh all-time in passing touchdowns, sixth all-time in completions. In my opinion, he's a Hall of Famer. But obviously, my opinion is biased because I'm one of the biggest Eli fans that I know. Besides Daniel Jones, he's the only Giants quarterback I've ever known or ever and I've ever seen. I'm not counting Geno Smith. I'm not. But I'm 22 years old. I didn't see Geno Smith. I didn't, excuse me, I didn't see Phil Simms play. I didn't see Jeff Hosteller win that Super Bowl. I didn't see Kerry Collins play in that Super Bowl. I mean, I was three. I started following the Giants and I started following football extensively Eli's second year when I was eight. I don't know if that's a little late for some people. I don't know if some people started at like five or six. I was eight when I started watching football extensively. And so for 
So this is the 16th year. So for 14 years for me, it was just Eli, Eli, Eli. Again, not counting the Geno Smith game. It was Eli, Eli, Eli. That was the only quarterback for the Giants that I ever watched. So my opinion is biased. Because the ending of his, with the whole, the big picture, and what he's been able to do for this organization, what he's been able to do, what, you know, the two Super Bowls, you know, the, the numerous winning seasons. I mean, I don't know if I can really speak on it, because again, I'm young, I'm 22, he was the only quarterback for the Giants that I ever really saw, besides Daniel Jones. But he's the best quarterback in the franchise's history. So, I believe he's a Hall of Famer. I believe what he's been able to do for this organization, the accomplishments, the, his accomplishments, his rankings and certain statistics, I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer. However, I don't believe he'll be a first ballot. And I believe he'll have the longest discussion of the Hall of Fame committee in history. So when the Hall of Fame committee of meet, when the Hall of Fame committee meets, I know they've usually released. I don't know if usually, but I've known in the past they've released the amount of time spent discussing each player. So the committee meets, they discuss who gets into the Hall of Fame and who doesn't, and the time is sometimes for each player is the official time of discussion for each player whether he should get in or not is recorded um, and discussed, or recorded and then released. Such as, for example, last year, the longest was Ty Law. He was 27 minutes, 16 seconds. Ed Reed was the shortest, 2 minutes and 20 seconds. That's how long it took them to see if Ed Reed was going to be a Hall of Famer or not, 2 minutes and 20 seconds. For Ty Law, that's a long time. It's close to a half hour. I believe Eli will be the longest discussion in history. I don't know what the longest discussion is, but I'm sure that's Eli is going to break that record. Because there are a lot of arguments for why he should be a Hall of Famer. There are a lot of arguments for why he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Because not everyone believes he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Some believe the stats are inflated because of how long he's played. Some believe he actually hurt his Hall of Fame chances by playing more years. He's 9-26 and as a starter since 2017. When the Hall of Fame committee gets together to discuss him, it'll take forever to figure out if he's a Hall of Famer or not. His discussion is going to be so long. Again, I don't know what the longest is, but last year, Ty Law was 27 minutes, 16 seconds. I think Eli is going to be a lot longer than that. But if I'm if I'm ever on the committee, if I was ever on the committee, I'm voting yes. What he's done for this organization, best organization, best quarterback, arguably in this. I mean, I think he's the best quarterback in this franchise's history, and this is one of the most storied franchises there is, there are in the NFL in NFL history. The fact that he's the best quarterback in the history of the New York Football Giants franchise has been around for almost a hundred years at this point. That deserves. A Hall of Fame nod. 100%. Alright, so getting on to the news portion of this podcast. So, Janoris Jenkins uh, was waived on last Friday 
He sent out an inappropriate tweet, included a very offensive and very derogatory term. Uh, I'm surprised it took the Giants that long to waive him. I mean, he tweeted it out. He sent a tweet on Wednesday. So he tweeted out some statistics. A fan responded to him saying, how many of those statistics have led to wins? This is obviously before the Giants went over the Dolphins. Um, and then Jenkins responded to him with a very offensive term. I'm surprised it took the Giants that long to waive him. I mean, or he sent the tweet out on Wednesday. They waved him on Friday. I would have waved him right then and there. I would have waved him right then and there. It was an unacceptable tweet. It was an unacceptable term to use. I'm surprised it took that long for them to waive him. But he's now no longer on the Giants. And the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, have claimed him off waivers as of Tuesday. So it was announced Monday. It was reported by Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. Uh, but the claiming of Jenkins was deferred to Tuesday because the Saints played on Monday night. The Saints beat the Colts on Monday night. Um, on Monday night football, obviously. So the uh, claim of Jenkins was, was deferred to today. So as of today, Janaris Jenkins is a New Orleans Saint. And to be honest, the, the, the Giants had to release Jenkins anyway. I mean, he was too expensive for the type of talent that he brings to the table. Uh, he was a huge waste of money. Uh, he, uh, he was a pro bowler in 2016. He was an all-pro all pro defensive back in 2016, but he hasn't done much since then. I believe he was a big waste of money for, for the majority of the time the Giants had him. Um, he probably would have never taken a pay cut. Well, at least not in the last in the final year of his deal, which would be next year. And now Jenkins is going to reunite with, yep, Eli Apple. So Janaris Jenkins and Eli Apple are back on the same secondary, which that if that that gives me the creeps. I wouldn't want either of those guys on the Giants secondary. And we had Jenkins, the Giants had Jenkins on their secondary for obviously the majority of this year. And I wouldn't want Jenkins or Eli Apple on the Giants secondary at all. Now was your starting secondary last year in 2018. That still gives me the creeps. So Jenkins and Eli Apple will both be playing. Um... And, you know, unless something happens with Jenkins as he gets hurt or gets released again or suspended, he'll be playing in the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Um, and, yeah, reuniting with his former teammate. So, two former Giants defensive backs that just didn't work out. I mean, Eli Apple was Eli Apple was bad. And that was a bad pick. It was number 10 overall, 2016 draft. He was just never good. He had problems in the locker room. People called him out in the locker room. He just wasn't good. I mean, he he was getting called out. He was not great on the field at all. Janoris Jenkins was always calling people out, it seemed. He called James Betcher out a few weeks ago. I mean, I call James Betcher out all the time. But I'm not on the team. He's not my coach. Those are two... Jenkins and Apple were two problematic 
guys on the Giants, and now they're back together. Um, so moving on, going to preview the upcoming game against the Redskins. Uh, going to be taking place at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time this Sunday at uh, in Landover, Maryland at FedEx Field. I believe there's, I believe it's still called FedEx Field. I'm not sure. I don't have to double-check that, but I believe it's still called FedEx Field. But whoever loses this game will most likely end up with the number two pick in the draft. Yeah, FedEx Field. I, I got it right. Whatever. But whoever loses this game between the Giants and Redskins will probably most likely end up with the number two pick when the regular season ends. Seems like the Bengals, who have one win, will get the number one overall pick. But things can definitely change. You never know if the Bengals win the last two games and end up at 3-13. Giants lose the last two games, end up 3-13. You never know what's going to happen. But it seems that the, the Bengals are going to get the number one pick. Obviously, things could change. Uh, since the Bengals could be drafting a quarterback, whoever gets that number two pick could take Chase Young if he decides not to go back to Ohio State. Therefore, if you're a Giants fan, I understand why you would want to lose this game. I understand why you'd want to lose this game. Chase Young is a generational talent as a pass rusher. But I'm going to give the keys to a Giants victory anyway, because that's what I do on this podcast. And it's my podcast, so I can do whatever whatever I want. But um, on the defensive side of the ball, Giants you need to force the Redskins to win this game through the air. If you make Dwayne Haskins throw more times than their game plan suggests, he will screw up. The Giants picked off the Redskins four times in week four against both Haskins and Case Keenum. So that secondary-based dominance needs to happen again. The secondary needs to show up. They need to step up. This defense needs to force Haskins to throw the ball, and the secondary needs to deliver. How do they do that? Stop the run. Stop the run. Rush the passer. Rush the passer. <clears throat> sorry. Rush the passer. Force second and longs. Force third and longs. When you contain everything else and force Haskins to beat you with his arm, he'll screw up. Look for the Giants to make sure of that on Sunday. On the offensive side of the ball for Big Blue, Giants need to execute their game plan through Saquon Barkley. The Redskins defense is 28th in the league, 136.4 rushing yards allowed per game. So they're not a great rushing defense at all. What do the Giants have? A great rushing attack. Great rushing attack. They have a great running back. Take advantage of that. Redskins pass defense is a lot better than their rush defense. 12th in the league, 227.4 passing yards allowed per game. Therefore, run the ball and run the ball consistently. Open up the play action. That's how you get that's how you get past this defense. Run the ball, take advantage of their weak rush defense run defense, and then open up the play action. That's how you're gonna get past this defense that's allowing 24.8 points per game, which is 22nd in the league. Utilize Saquon Barkley, maximize his Talent maximizes potential. Consistently run the ball, not just inside zone runs. You know, run from the shotgun. Run, you know, get some outside runs in there. Get, to, get some lead blockers. Don't just put him on an island back there. 
run the ball in as many ways as you can, do it consistently, that's going to open up the play action, and then that's how you're going to beat the pass defense that includes Landon Collins. Of course it does. So, second game against Landon Collins. He's obviously good, as we all know. To get past the defense, get past the secondary led by someone like that, you got to run the ball consistently and open up the play action. Am I endorsing a Giants win? I know I said last week I wouldn't ever do that again, at least for this season. But I'm going to change that. Yeah, I'm going to endorse a Giants win. Because uh, if this is the one game the Giants will absolutely need to lose if they want to get a generational pass rusher in the draft, if he's available. If this is the one game they absolutely need they absolutely need to lose for that to happen, they're totally going to win. Because that's just what happens. That's just how the Giants work. That's just how the NFL works. Giants absolutely, if they want to get that, if they want to get Chase Young, if he decides to declare for the draft and they want Chase Young, they're going to absolutely need to lose this game. But that being said, they're probably going to win. But there is an upside if they win this game. If Daniel Jones gets to win, so if Daniel Jones is healthy, he plays, he gets to win, then he'll at least be off to a hot start in the Daniel Jones-Dwayne Haskins rivalry, quote-unquote, era. Because you know there's going to be, there's always, at least until one of these quarterbacks goes to another team or whatever, there's always going to be a rivalry between these two because people think the Giants should have taken Haskins and then... But instead, they took Jones, and then the Redskins took Haskins. And there's from then, from first round of that draft, everyone knew there was going to be some sort of meaning behind the Giants-Redskins game, which would be Dwayne Haskins versus Daniel Jones. And, you know, people would start calling it a rivalry between the two quarterbacks. So Daniel Jones, obviously Dwayne Haskins didn't play the whole game in week four, but Daniel Jones still got the win. And that one, so if he gets to win in this one, he'll be off to a hot start in that rivalry with Dwayne Haskins. So, yeah, I think I'm going to endorse a Giants win. I think they're coming off, they're motivated from this past Sunday's win, um, and I, I think they'll win. I think, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be a blowout. I, th- I think maybe. I think like 21 to 14, I'll say. I'll say 21 to 14. If Daniel Jones plays, he'll have two touchdowns. Um, Actually, no, he'll have one touchdown. Saquon Barkley will have two. That's just my prediction. But yeah, I think think the Giants will win this one uh, on Sunday afternoon. But that's all we have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. my name is Ryan Honey. As usual, follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey E S N Y. That's at Ryan Honey E S N Y. And thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.